Hey, welcome to Sports Beat KC, Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. And our latest edition features college basketball. We're going to talk about the Kansas Jayhawks with Rustin Dodd and me, Blair Kirkhoff. And Rustin, let's see if I've got this right. Uh, you will be starting your senior year covering the Jayhawks. That is to say, your fourth year. That's right. KU. Is that That's right? right. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this the other day because Perry Ellis. Uh, was his freshman year was my first year on the beat and people have kind of been made making jokes about how long he's been in school and I feel like it's sort of the same way <laughs> and, li- and like Perry Ellis um, you have not been to a final four and uh, and so that's uh, that's obviously the the objective when you play basketball at Kansas the last final four appearance for this team was in 2012 uh, you were there I was there I was in New Orleans and Kansas, of course, made the run to the championship game. We'll talk about the prospects of this year's team getting to the Final Four. But let, let's start this off by, with a little news update, if you will, and um, because may, this, the, the prospects of, of this team may depend on the eligibility of one Sheck Diallo. And it, it, see, that, that news seems to have taken a little bit of a different turn here in the last couple of days. What, let's, what, why don't you tell us about who he is, what he might mean to the Jayhawks, and where his eligibility stands. Yeah, this is sort of interesting because as we're recording right now, who knows, maybe the news will change in the next few hours. But uh, it hasn't really changed much in the last couple of months, so um, we're probably safe there. But, no, I mean, Sheck Diallo was was supposed to be Kansas's sort of centerpiece of this recruiting class, um, sort of a big guy to pair with Perry Ellis inside. Um, you know, he's originally from Mali, but he spent his high school years uh, up on Long Island. Um, and for whatever reason, for, for academic reasons and for, for reasons that remain a little bit unclear, um, he hasn't been, you know, cleared by the NCAA Eligibility Center. Um, you know, and this process is probably, I think, you know, I've been told that Kansas knew, you know, this was a possibility all the way going back to June. Um, you know, I don't think they thought this was going to drag on until, you know, two days before the season opener um, on Friday. But the latest news, I guess, t- to to get to it is that Sheck's guardian, um, he was brought over here by a, by a Mali American who sort of has a part-time gig as a basketball scout and, and helps kids in Mali. Um, you know, I'm going to probably mispronounce his name, but I, it's Tiddy and Drame and he brought Sheck over here about four years ago and helped him get to that high school in New York. Um, and I think they've been sort of sitting tight. And Bill Self says, you know, they've been, you know, they've been unhappy with the process too. Sheck's camp has been, um, but now they've they've hired legal representation, and I think they're going to start fighting a little bit harder now that the process is drag on, dragged on as, as long as it has. Um, you know, they've hired Don Jackson, Donald Jackson, who's a pretty prominent uh, NCAA attorney who deals in NCAA matters. If you remember, he, he represented Letitia Romero in that uh, sort of case, right. the K-State right. story that dragged on for a little bit. But he's been involved in, in lots of cases like this. And, you know, I think everything is on the table um, if this thing keeps to, continues to drag on as far as lawsuits or, or, or things like that. Well, I remember the Letitia Romero story ended up with a happy ending for her. Yeah. She ended up uh, getting to transfer to the school she wanted to to, uh, to transfer to. But um, the uh, Bill Self cannot have a, a, a press conference or any kind of public appearance without being asked about this. And it's almost to me, it's almost as if he's saying, "Okay, we've done everything we can, and it's it's now in the hands of the, the attorneys." Is that you, no? That- I think so. You know, I, last night he said, "You know, we we fought." 
you know, it, there was almost a little bit of resignation in his voice, you know, that we've kind of fought this for months and now it's this other side is going to go in and they're going to fight for Sheck and, you know, they're not going to have our interest at hand, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, he's sort of open to anything at this point. Um, you know, at this point, it doesn't look like Sheck's prospects for playing are, are very good unless something changes. And, and I, I guess this legal process or bringing lawyers involved and, and all that sort of things, I guess it can't hurt. I don't know if it's going to help, but, but I, I guess it can't hurt where they are right now. I had him. I had him figured as a starter. I, I thought he would come in and start right away. I guess we, we don't, you know, we, we don't know that for sure. But that's that's the way I kind of looked at it. And and he was going to um, affect Perry Ellis's playing and his his role on the team. Uh, you know, Ellis of course played uh, with Jeff Withy the first couple of years, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that allowed Perry Ellis to develop as a as a four. You know, as as a power forward. And then last year, when when Perry didn't play with uh, a big guy, a dominant big guy, a shot blocker, uh, we we saw Ellis's field goal percentage decrease, and I think he worked had to work harder for shots, and it affected him. As we as we get into evaluating the team, uh, we'll start with the front court and start with Perry Ellis and how uh, he you know he seems to be pretty key to, to to Kansas's success, as you noted earlier. You know, this is his fourth year, senior year. There was a little bit of a decision whether he was going to come back for his senior year. Announced at the banquet that he that he is. So, uh, what what do we expect from Perry Ellis? And uh, it, will it be more of the same? A guy who's going to struggle to get to fifty percent shooting, uh, like he did last year, uh, if he doesn't have Sheck Diallo next to him, or uh, do we do we see Perry Ellis take his game to a you know to a different level and? Uh, and and be, become the the, the all American that maybe he's projected to be. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I kind of think that you can sort of just mark Perry Ellis down for about 14 points per game and six or seven rebounds. And you know, I don't know if he's going to be a, a first team All American. You know, I, I don't know if he has another level he can get to. He obviously played really well down the stretch last year before getting injured. Um, but I, I just feel like he's sort of the rock. I mean, they know what they're going to get from him, and I don't know if you can expect much more, especially if, if he doesn't have as much help in the front court. Um, but I think he's a first-team all or first-team All-Big 12 player for sure. You know, a fringe All-American candidate. You know, it's, it's one of those guys. It's like I don't think he's going to be a first-team All-American, but it's almost like he might be just a lock for like third-team All-American because you know he's going to put up the numbers and he's going to do you know be the the leading scorer on a top five or top ten team. Um, and so I think you know, can he get to another level? Bill Self has talked, and it's sort of intriguing about him playing more on the perimeter. And I, I don't think he means this. You know, a lot of minutes per game, but you know, for for stretches. And at the very least, I think he envisions him being more like Marcus Morris was, was his senior year, where he kind of had the freedom to go all over the court and kind of score from different places. I mean, I think that is the, the one thing Perry can do this year a little bit more. I think he can stretch defenses. He shot 40% or he's, for his career, he shot 42% from three. He just hasn't shot many of them. Um, and I think, you know, this he's, last year, I think he shot something like 42 three-pointers on the year. I think that it will will increase. I mean, I think he'll be up, you know, taking two or three threes a game and maybe 60 or 70 attempts on the year, something like that. But that would maybe be the one area where he can kind of diversify his game and be a little bit different. You know, when he did play some three in the second exhibition game against uh, Fort Hayes State, who who played the four and the five? Who who was 
Who was in the front court with him at that point? At, at that time, it was Hunter Mickelson and Landon Lucas, although there was maybe a minute where Carlton Bragg was in there as well when, when Perry was at the three. And I, I think – and Bill Self said, you know, he, he sees sort of the um, – Perry playing the three is an opportunity to get more minutes for some of those front court guys. And if Diallo's not eligible, that might add a little bit of a wrinkle to it. But um, I, I think part of that is that Carlton Bragg has shown himself to be maybe better than, at least better early than people thought. Um, you know, I think talent wise, you know, Bill Self said all along he's he's a pro and, you know, he was a McDonald's All-American too. But I just think you know, maybe there was going to be a learning curve for him. And he also is a very similar player to Perry Ellis. So I don't think you can really play him alongside Ellis. But if you slide Ellis to the three, then uh, then you can get Bragg in the game at the four. And then, you, you you know, you don't hurt yourself in terms of rebounding and defense. And you can, you know, play Mickelson or Lucas in there with those guys. And maybe Bill's thinking, you know, Bragg and Perry are two of our best five or six players. Maybe it's good to have them in the game, but it's it's difficult to play them together at the four and the five. You know, I think that's a little bit of the calculus of playing playing Perry at the three is just sort of Bragg's development too. Good point. And how about um, all right? So let's stay in the front court and let's kind of break down the front court rotation. You've done it. You've already started to do that. I think the one name that we left out is Jamari Trailer. So Trailer, Mickelson, Lucas, Bragg, Perry Ellis. Who am I missing here from the from the front court rotation, I, did you mention Hunter Mickelson? Then, yeah, yeah. And Hunter Mickelson. So those are that's what we're looking at, it, right? I mean, that's yeah. And, there's and, a lot of moving parts. I mean, they, Bill Self plays four big guys, and he said he's going to do that again this year. Um, but they've sort of got a lot of options, and they're they're options that don't. I mean, they they're guys that do different things, but they're they're nobody that really stands out. I mean, they've got this kind of crew of veterans and Lucas Mickelson and Trailer, um, and they, and they all have sort of different, you know pluses and minuses but they're they're talent you know from an impact standpoint it's hard to say you know who should be on the floor of those guys it's just it's sort of kind of nebulous but um and then you have Bragg so that would be with Ellis and Bragg and then the three veterans you've got five five guys for four spots if Diallo's not eligible and I still think there's some question about who kind of gets the more minutes you know is it is it Mickelson who played well in South Korea at the World University Games and, and but didn't really play much last year at all is it Lucas who who you know saw some minutes, but is a little bit limited offensively, but can can rebound and, and is kind of a you know a, a bigger presence in there. You know, is it Trailer who Bill Self seems to love, uh, and and is always he started last night and um who and he kind of brings energy and hustle and all that sort of stuff, but doesn't rebound very well and and sort of limited offensively too. I I, I think of you know it might not be the most important question for Kansas, but in terms of you know, in the next month, who who plays in the front court might be the most um, intriguing in terms of just we don't know exactly how the minutes are going to shake out. We're breaking down the, the Kansas Jayhawks, who uh, who I believe are preseason top five in the in the polls that I have seen. Coaches poll. Yeah, they're four in the AP. I think they're five in the in coaches. The coaches poll. So uh, that means uh, if, if the season ended today, before it even started. Kansas would be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament or the strongest number two seed one or the yeah. other. All right, let's um, – uh, we talked about the front court. Let's – I actually think the the back court is one of the best in the nation. Uh, Frank Mason at the point, uh, Devontae Graham at the two, Wayne Seldon at the three, and, and, and those are the guys that uh, I, I think Kansas is really counting on to, you know, to, to, to be the sort of the backbone of this team. But that's, you know, we've got some other, other guys in the backcourt as well that, that, uh, that need to be discussed. But let's, let's start with those three. 
Mason Graham and Selden are they going to play together? Is that is that group going to play together? You got basically two point guards. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and Selden. Bill Self has said this for maybe going back two years. Um, just sort of when they had Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, he he was sort of on this. Um, or this, the trend of just having these big wings in the offense, and they were NBA players, but for whatever reason, it just didn't seem to to fit with what Kansas wanted to do. And he said, you know, for the last two years, they want to get back to playing two smaller guards in the offense. You know, the back to the old teams of having Mario Chalmers and Russell Robin out, Robinson out there together, and then you've got Sharon Collins and Tyshawn Taylor, and all these teams with lots of combo guards and guys that kind of do different things. And I think he wants to get back to that. I think they would have actually done that more more last year, but Devontae Graham got injured early in the year. He, he was kind of injury-plagued all year, so that kind of took that out of the equation too. And, and missed the games in, in Korea because of that. Yeah, right? and then he was injured in the summer too, so right. he's got to stay healthy. But I think he thinks that having Graham and Mason out there makes them strong defensively on the perimeter. Um, it, it gives them two, two ball handlers out there. It, let, it lets Mason sort of kind of – be the lead guard but not necessarily the point guard he can handle the ball but he can try to score and I think it also kind of takes some pressure off Wayne Selden who is not a great ball handler it's not his kind of his his strong suit but he he is a a strong jump shooter and he can kind of let his his body and his physicality kind of play more at the three and he had the great summer I mean we when if Kansas had an MVP of the world university games it was it was Selden and um, and I, th- I thought, boy, this is this is going to be great for him. His confidence. He he's the guy who, when he arrived at Kansas, was a one and done guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he was a one and done, um, or at and least a fringe one and done, yeah, and a possibility of it. Yeah. Five star yeah. recruit, and here he is in his third year, which is longer than we would have expected him when he when he arrived on campus. I, I think we've seen you know the flaws in his game, but we we also have seen some. Some tremendous upside. His athletic athleticism is, you know, is terrific. Although I think I saw him airball a free throw in that. Yeah, you, I think he was four of nine last night. Bill Self said that's a little bit in his head, but he'll fix that. But what, what what do you see from him? Yeah. And is is he prepared to? You know, I you know I wrote about Wayne Selden in our our preview section, which comes out I think Sunday. I for, for a quick plug. Uh, but I, I think he might be the most important player on the team, and I don't think he's. You know, maybe not even one of their top two or three best players. But if you're looking for areas where the team can improve off of what they were last year, I think he maybe is the first guy you look at. You know, he, for as well as he played in South Korea last year, if you look at his numbers last year, just the raw points and, and the percentages and everything, I mean, he was not, you know, he was probably not even quite an average Big 12 guard. I mean, he shot under 40% for the season. He shot pretty well from three, but was was pretty woeful at finishing at the rim um he averaged less than he did his freshman year with which was you know that's without you know Wiggins playing alongside of him and some other guys that kind of dominated the ball I think he's sort of you know I've seen kind of his name tossed around as a kind of a you know an all big 12 and an all-american candidate I think that might be a little bit higher than what his ceiling is but I think he if he's your third or fourth best player I mean and he's playing like he did in South Korea I think you are a legitimate you know big 12 title final four contender um you know he didn't play very well in his first exhibition game and it just didn't really seem engaged and he even sort of admitted that last night that he for for whatever reason he just wasn't there but I mean that's it's one exhibition game they were playing Pitt State it's it's 
probably right. you don't want to take you know too much away, away from one that performance. But I do think watching how he plays early in the season, if he can sort of kind of duplicate what he did in South Korea, that that could be huge for Kansas. I think it's a good point that you made that if you're looking for uh, a Kansas team. Uh, that reasons to believe that this Kansas team can be better than last year's. Um, I, I think you look at him and, and maybe Devontae Graham as well as two guys who, who can be, who, who, you know, whose improvement can be noticeable over last season. I, I think Frank Mason's as good a point guard. He and Monte Morris at Iowa State, I think, are the two best point guards yeah. in the league. And I'm not sure how much better Frank Mason could be. I, I'm really impressed with him. And he's probably the most under, you know, uh, underappreciated player in the, in the, in the Big 12. Uh, but, but you're right. I think Selden's the one guy who, if, he, if his game comes together, can, can improve to a point that it makes Kansas better than, than what they were last year. Well, and how about, um, uh, you know, we, we, we keep focusing on this Fort Hay State game because it was the, the most recent one, but Svi Mikhailik yeah. um, hit, what did he, was he a six for eight or something? Uh, five of five, eight. Five for eight three. On, on threes and looked looked really good. Is, is Kansas prepared, to, you know, to see more of him this year than the 10, 12 minutes he played a game last year? I, I think so. And Bill Self said after the game last night that, you know, he's kind of the first person to say, you know, when a guy makes shots, well, that doesn't necessarily mean he played well. But he even sort of admitted last night that that's, I mean, they just need Svee to make shots. They need Brandon Green to make shots. And I think if it, one interesting thing about this team, though, is every year new guys come in and we, we make such a big deal about the, the new players, the freshmen. But this team, if they're going to improve and, and be better than they were last year, it's probably kind of the internal improvement. And Svee was a 17-year-old freshman last year. He's still only 18, uh, turned 18 last summer. And I think, you know, I think he still has so much room to grow. But it's in terms of what he can do, if he can just be a consistent outside threat for Kansas, I think, you know, he Bill Self trusts him on the defensive end at least, you know, relative to, to his skill set and talent. And, and he's got a solid basketball IQ. He understands what's going on out there. But he, he just really, his next step, I think, is just making shots. Um, and he did that last night, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. He's certainly not afraid to take the shots. No, no, you not know? at all. He's good when he makes the shots. Okay, so that leaves really one player we haven't talked about, and that's uh, uh, LeGerald Vick, the other freshman uh, in the class. I uh, is, is there just... Are there too many bodies for him? To yeah, and I, I think he's just – project would maybe be too strong of a word for him, um, but I think he's maybe a year away. Um, you know, he was um, he was originally in the 2015 class, but then he, he – Reclassified. Re, well, he, he was in the 15, and then he was going to reclass to the 16 and go to prep that's, school this year. Right. Um, and it committed to T, or SMU, but then he decided to come back to 15. So, you know, he might not even – he doesn't even have to be really in college this year. I think Kansas saw, you know, they had an open scholarship, and they, he's a high athletic, high ceiling kind of talent that probably needs a year of, of development. Um, and I think he can get that. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of guards. I don't think they necessarily need him, but I think his his potential in terms of just his length and his athleticism and his – I think Bill thinks he could be an elite defender down the road, but I think his time is more, you know, next season than than having, you know, much room to play this season. I think we got. I think we covered the the, the, the rotation. There there may be a little a little bit more that you know that that will get kind of trimmed out as the as the early part yeah. of the season uh, uh, makes progress here. Uh, 
the another you know ridiculous non-conference schedule for KU the Duke uh, who am I missing? No, uh, Michigan State, Michigan State in Champions Classic, Kentucky in the S- in the SEC Challenge, but that's not until January. January yeah. That's the end of January, and um, you're, you're right. I, I keep. What was I thinking? Duke, not not Duke this year. Um, so uh, they could see Indiana and Maui, and there's some good right. teams out there. But it's actually, you know, they have scheduled so. Ho- hard the last few years I think they actually sort of toned it down this year and not necessarily in the in the, the marquee games that we see um, but even in the the non-conference schedule I think instead of playing you know the best teams in these mid-major leagues they've they've kind of scheduled a few you know gimme games that they actually will might have some blowouts and some games where they can kind of cruise this year unlike the last two years and with the with the Kentucky game being in January it's a little bit different schedule they only play one true road game they go to San Diego State uh, in mid-December and so other than that and other than the trip to Maui and the Champions Classic you know they're not going to be on the road I think actually just in terms of difficulty early it, it's a lot better a lot manage, more manageable although then you got to play Kentucky in, in late January right, and right. I think that's you have a string where you play Iowa State Kentucky and K-State in like seven days so that's that's not going to be easy but um, in terms of early, I think it's actually sets up pretty well for them. You know, you, you, you're saying that reminded me. I, I thought there were times last year when they really could have used uh, a walkover type game yeah. just to get guys minutes to, to see. And some. it's actually it's funny because this year they could probably, with the veteran team they have, they're probably more positioned to play a difficult schedule. Where the last couple of years they've played such a hard schedule and they've had these young players and they've wanted to kind of get them comfortable in the system and it's it was sort of difficult for them to do that early on in the season. But this year I think it's a little bit you know they have a couple of games where they can probably breathe and, and kind of play around with things okay they're the big 12 uh, Kansas again the big 12 favorite I think Oklahoma is going to be really good this year Buddy Heald is back uh the big 12 player of the year uh with is it four three or four other returning starters for Oklahoma yeah. Iowa State with Niang and Morris and McKay with the new coach Steve Prame uh, they're going to be terrific Texas is really interesting with Shaka Smart now on the sideline for the Longhorns I think that's your probably your upper echelon of, of the Big 12 does Kansas deserve to be the favorite I think so um I, I do think it you know the Oklahoma and Iowa State they're essentially the same teams they were last year as well maybe the most difficult challenge they've had going back to I don't know if it's kind of Oklahoma with Blake Griffin or or Texas the next couple of years maybe maybe going back five years or maybe Missouri when they had the, the team Deadman and Dixon yeah and those guys so maybe but I, I think this is could be the most difficult challenge I, I just think that the the one trump card that Kansas always has especially when it's a round robin schedule is Allen Fieldhouse you know if they hold serve at home it's so difficult for any team to I mean they you know maybe Iowa State or Oklahoma can share a title but if Kansas wins all their home games it's really difficult for a team to to have a better record than they will in the in the Big 12 it's just it's it's really hard um, they went undefeated at home last year yeah. and for the first time I think in, in their streak of Big 12 titles, they had a losing record in Big 12 road games. I yeah. think they were 4-5, and five, and they still won the league without sh- outright. They didn't yeah. share it with somebody. So, hey, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and, and follow the coverage of the Kansas City Star, uh, the, of the Kansas Jayhawks in the Kansas City Star, online at kansascity.com. And uh, Rustin will, will – starting his fourth year as the Kansas Jayhawk beat writer 
covers it like nobody else. Thanks for listening.